Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 178. I am Level 3 Judge Brian Perlman from Orlando, Florida, and as always, I am joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. Hi, this is Jess, a Level 3 Judge from Atlanta, Georgia. And I am Brogan King, Level 2 from Richmond, Virginia. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about uh, uh, two weekends ago, there was a event, Star City hosted an event in Atlanta, and each of us uh, were head judges of one of the classic events, uh, Legacy, Modern, and Standard. Uh, also, um, now these are the classics, normally at these events there's also an open, and at this particular event it was a team event, and the head judge was one Matt Williams, who we just happened to find for this episode also. Hello, Matt. Hi, Brian. I love how you say there's, like, also, usually an open. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, this events, you know, a lot of those classics, they sometimes have an open, too. It's just a like, really a large side, note. side event. Okay, so re- realistically, <laughs> let's let's be honest here, this is our podcast, so the classic was kind of like the side event. Or, the, sorry, the open yeah, was the side event. I, the open, I think that's I what I was just around. saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, right now we're, we're judge cast featuring Matt. Yes. So, right. so Matt, uh, uh, can you introduce yourself to our listeners at home or in the car or at work? Sure. But not anywhere uh, else. But not there. <laughs> Not, not anywhere in my living room. I, I like Where to in my living room. Like, if uh, they're so, working out at the gym, you, you can't introduce yourself to them. Well, I mean, you, you, we're excluding them. I, I would like Turn to include those people. If you're, if, you're, <laughs> right, fine. if you're in the gym, if you're in the gym, um, what are you doing? You need to be listening to something with the appropriate beats per minute to get your heart rate up. Yeah, if you're in the gym listening to this, we're only including you right now because Billy Willy wanted to. Oh. <laughs> All right, so, uh, I'm Matt Williams, or probably better known as Billy Willie, a level three from Tampa, Florida. And I was the head judge for the team open. And I got to work alongside the fantastic folks here at JudgeCast. Oh, that's so sweet. So the, the process, the process for staffing an open is pretty similar to, or staffing just an open weekend is, is pretty similar to most large events. An application goes out, judges apply to it. Um, the applications get reviewed. Now, in this particular case, uh, Star City was doing the selection of what judges uh, were accepted and not, but we all had the opportunity to provide inputs. Um, and then once that was done, uh, Star City sends out, makes their selections based on all the inputs received. And they actually do something that's, that's, kind of, that's nice, is they assign judges to the various events. You know, here's here's on Saturday. Here's on the open, and the, these are these are the judges that are going to be on the uh, the modern classic, and, and and so on. So we actually, when we sat down to like make our teams and stuff like that, we already had we already knew who was going to be on what. There was a there was a basic structure already in place that we could just kind of wiggle with within. Right, yeah, and that's know. not entirely inflexible. Like you, that can be switched if you need to for some reason. But it was nice to just have a starting point for that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's always Ricky, but I know that in my experience, when I've had Judge an Open, it's been Ricky that I've interacted with, and he does a lot of the the legwork in going through uh, people's preferences and what they've listed in their application and or the Google form that Star City uses to kind of put people in the places that they want to be which is uh, a nice thing that when you're the head judge for an open, you kind of just double-check that it, nothing's awry, but that's the already set up for you. 
there's a fair amount of people Tetris involved, so having somebody else kind of take over some of that leading in is is valuable. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd want to mention is I've seen times where people kind of get super discouraged or freak out when they get declined for an event. And yeah. we've we've entered a world where you're going to get declined from time to time, and it, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and it's not necessarily, oh, you're a terrible judge and that's why you didn't get accepted. It can be simply you asked for a number of days that the TO can't offer you, or you... You know, you ask for something that they can't give you, and so then the TO doesn't have a lot of options besides to say, oh, I can, I only have two day slots available. I'm going to accept people who are available for two days or are willing to take two days. Right. The more, the more restrictions you place on yourself, the harder it is for the TO to find a, a slot that is, that's shaped like you. And, and I'm not saying <laughs> if, if you, if you need three days to work the event, request three days. Just know that those number, those three day slots for those bigger events or both days for the smaller events may not always work out. Brian, you laughed at my, my, my p- picturing an the, event like a puzzle with the with whole a- shaped. Um, it was, it was more, there was this weird game show, uh, on, I don't remember what network, but it was just, it Is this had the one where you have to like move, contort your body to, to go through this like moving oh. hole thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That that show was hilarious. I don't know. I don't know where what channel it was on or where it came on, but I I remember seeing it once and thinking it was amazing. Anyone who has no doesn't know what we're talking about has thinks we're all crazy people right now. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Right. So it was just it was just a right. giant board or a foam board with a cut like a person shaped cutout and like a weird like a a weird pose, and it was on a conveyor belt, and it would just move towards the person, and they had to con- contort themselves to fit through the hole, or else they were pushed into water. I've never seen this. It's incredible. I will find you a clip at some point, Jeff. It's really just a lot of, like, smacking people and knocking them into water, which, I mean, what's not to... While they're trying to contort themselves into weird shapes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, basically. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... One of one of the things that was unique. This was a team event, uh, and so the teams of three. Like one player was playing a legacy deck, one player was playing a modern deck, one player was playing a standard deck, and so in a team event. And we had an episode uh, two three months ago about team uh, team events. But uh, Matt, if you could just walk us through maybe like some of the preparations that you did to help make sure that the the staff was ready for for a team event. Yeah, so the one thing that I had to make sure of was just how we were going to handle some of just the slightly different things. Like, the big one is communication. Like, when can players talk to each other? When can't they? Uh, and that usually that comes down to if they've left, left the area or not. And just making sure that the staff was giving the correct instructions to the players so that I didn't later have to deal with a player saying, well, your judges told me this, and then having to decide... Uh, whether or not I believe the player or the ju- or the judge, because usually when someone says, "Well, the judge told me," you ask for a description and you get something very generic that identifies <laughs> some number of judges that isn't greater than one. Right. Yeah, I got one. I got one of this particular <laughs> open that was well. He was wearing glasses and had a beard, <laughs> and that, that was like five or six different judges on staff met that description. You know, a judge game of Guess Who would be pretty cool. Uh, I would love Judge Guess Who. 
I've actually played Judge Guess Who, but it wasn't with pe- people's faces. It was with infractions. <laughs> what? Yes. Someone has built, uh, I can't remember who, I was at a GP and I, they had a uh, copy of Guess Who. I think it might have been Federico Donner. And it was uh, a Guess Who board game board, but it had, you know, just all the different infractions in the slots. And you had to uh, give clues towards or ask questions to try to eliminate certain infractions from being. Uh, so it was like taking taking a judge call and like asking more questions about what happened to make sure you know what the infraction is. Uh, no, it was more like, is this infraction uh, penalized with a warning? Oh, oh. <laughs> that's cute. Okay. That was when when you first started talking. I was actually thinking it was you had to guess who gave the infraction based on like the handwriting <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, how we, is that we, even possible? We definitely had to do that at this event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the other things that I made sure to do uh, was be as clear as I could with my team leads during uh, during our, any communication with them about what was going on, so that they could disseminate the information to their team members. Because I think, as the head judge, if you take on a role where you're going to be the only person who has all the information, you're setting yourself up to fail. So giving people the information before the event, uh, making sure the team leads are all on the same page, both during the event and during a team lead meeting at the beginning of the day, and then uh, conveying that to the entire staff, again, on site as much as you can. I know sometimes you don't have enough time with a lot of moving parts, and so that's why you really have to lean on your team leads to know what's going on. That way, when questions come up, they can answer those questions. You make sure your judges are empowered to actually solve problems. Yeah, definitely. And uh, in the at the player meetings in this one, I was very, you know, I basically told the players this event's different than what you've experienced before. You probably need to pay attention now, and that surprisingly worked uh, better than I thought it would. I actually heard the volume in the room just go from that that normal like you know four or five rumbling down to probably, a, you know, closer to a two, and that was kind of refreshing. It's 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 this, like, herd effect of if you say that and at least one person around you starts is suddenly quiet, you're like, oh, maybe I should be quiet. So even if you don't hear that additional announcement, if someone around you does, there's this, like, ripple effect of, oh, I guess I really do need to be quiet now. Yeah, and for this... Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was I was gonna say with with the communication it was it was great there was there was one conversation I remember throughout in the day where guy was like okay so if I need to go to the bathroom what happens and the judge judge says well if you if you get up and leave the area when you come back you won't be able to to talk to any of your your teammates um, and he immediately was like oh well then I'll hold it. And I was like, and I was like, yes, if only more, more <laughs> like you. I'll hold it. Okay. Uh, and then I guess the other thing that I did specific to this event is I opened uh, a Slack channel with all of the uh, level threes and team leads for the event, uh, just to allow for any questions to be asked ahead of time. But specifically for Saturday, I opened a Slack chat for team leads and all threes so that we could. You know, just open the line of communication. That was a big focus for me. Uh, to be clear, you mean that you're not talking about having that at the event. You're talking about like a couple weeks out saying, hey, guys, let's let's open this communication now. Yeah. As soon as we decided upon uh, as soon as I made the decision on who would be team leads, it was let's open the communication up so that we can uh, make sure everyone's on the same page. Uh, the chat was I guess the chat was available during the open, but like I didn't check it because I was 
available were, in person. So you were otherwise <laughs> occupied. Right. I do want to say that uh, during the planning, uh, whether it was planning ahead of time or planning things that we had to do kind of last second, um, with this particular group of head judges, including Billy Willie, I felt a lot more comfortable in the kind of getting things done mode. I don't know if you guys felt this way as well. Um, and what I mean by that is um, that when it came time to to make a decision or, or get something accomplished, I felt very often that uh, we were on the same page, and if we weren't on the same page, if we had a disagreement, uh, we were really good at figuring out the correct answer. Um, and uh, I, I, think I guess I... I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is like I haven't always had that. I didn't feel there was a lot of friction when it came to uh, to all of us together working on this event, and I, I appreciated that. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys felt that way as well, uh, but I thought it was good. I think for me, at least, I, I, I super see that because I think some of that comes from just we're all people who in, gen- in general get along and respect each other and will listen if there's if there's a group of people and any one of them has some sort of weird feelings or doesn't know the others very well or feels out of place it it it, it can get tense but i think with this this group of people it's all people who are willing to talk to each other and figure it out and also willing to say when i don't i may not agree with this decision but let's talk about it yeah, there was there was a good a, a good amount of that. Now, obviously, the final decision was was with uh, Billy Willie, but there was points where okay, there were discussions like who should who should be team lead. You know, who do we want to be team lead? And it's like okay, well, a name would be thrown out. It's like okay, well, if this person is team lead here, then that has you know, then they wouldn't be available on Sunday potentially to team lead, or you know, here's here's a a, a consequence. Uh, of of who would be another team leader, who would have to be on that team to support, things things like that, uh, and it was a little bit of back and forth, but we we came to agreements or consensus pretty quick. Um, the uh, I, I was actually thinking a lot more about uh, Sunday with juggling all oh. of the classic events, um, and especially felt this was true on site when we were working together to get things done, whether it was for break time or for sharing responsibilities. Um, I felt a lot more comfortable with our ability to just kind of get things done. Um, yeah. uh, go ahead. I was going to say Sunday was definitely uh, different from any of the opens I'd been a part of in a appeals judge or head judge role. And it just came down to the fact that there were three classics instead of the, the standard two classic events just meant that there was a lot more. I felt like I interacted with you guys a lot more. You know, I, you know, I saw Brogan or Beepril or Jess. I saw you, all three of you numerous times at the stages that we were getting things going because it was just so much going on. Yeah, I think and I think it's it was a it was sort of a it was necessary in order to communicate and be and make sure we were covered. So do we do we want to like finish out Saturday before we start talking about like the challenges for Sunday? Yeah, we should talk about Saturdays. Was, uh, did was you have any yeah, what? Specifically, was, was there any, like, as far as, like, rulings or appeals or situations that really stuck out, Matt? Uh, let me dig back through the notebook of things. Um, you are so much better at taking notes about these things than I am. Like, when, I, when I'm when I'm head judging something, I'll be like, oh, that was interesting. I better write it down and then immediately get distracted with the next thing. Uh, so I take – I try to take more notes when I'm the head judge or appeals judge for an event because I like to see if there's trends between 
the rulings that we're giving, the judges that are having appeals or questions, uh, just I just try to have more information because I feel like more could be asked of me. Um, I really it was a pretty busy day, but nothing really on Saturday was overly out of the normal. I mean, there are definitely some weird stuff. Like we had uh, a situation where a player mulled a mulligan to six, kept their hand, scryed to the bottom, and then looked at their hand and realized they only had five cards. Whew. And then uh, took the bottom card off the deck and put it into their hand. And at that point, the opponent's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, Judge, what's going on? So that one was that was neat. Hmm. <laughs> uh, That's weird. So I allowed the player to keep the card because it was a card they should have seen. Right. Uh, you know, locked in there. Like, they couldn't mulligan at that point. Uh, and then I'm, I went ahead and let them scry at that point because they should have still been able to scry. Uh, I did let them know that they should call a judge before they go fixing things. <laughs> Wait, so so they they did not call a judge until the, the player had already, like, pulled the bottom card off? Yes. Whew. Yeah. Sorry, I thought... I th- I thought you meant that the opponent, like, they called a judge over, the judge did that, and the other person was like, oh, what's happening here? No, no, they, uh, have, they, they have five cards in their, in their hand, <laughs> scry the one to the bottom, and they're like, hold on, I only have five cards here, let me get that card. And they just go get the other card, the opponent's yeah. like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yes, that's exactly, hey, whoa, whoa, hey. Well, hey, yeah. whoa, whoa, hey. Um. Thank you. I think the only, the only thing I'd really say about team events that really showed itself on Saturday more, even a lot more than even on Sunday is the, the number of appeals goes up in my experience because all it takes is one of anywhere from four to six players to not be happy with a ruling. And so I, I got called over a number of times and I know that uh, Nicolette is the, as my appeals judge, she also got called over a couple of times for some pretty clear cut rules questions that just somebody at the table disagreed with. Yeah, uh, if, if even that, one person there is like, I don't know about this. For sure. Uh, so that happened a few times. The only... Let's see, I'm trying to skim through my notes. I mean, I did have multiple appeals, thanks to Mr. Perlman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he makes it... It's two. It, it was two. They were both very clear-cut. Uh, no questions there. So I, I think that just highlights that everybody... Everybody and anybody can get appealed. It can be sometimes it's how you deliver the ruling. Sometimes it's just the players at the table and whether or not the, and that they want to talk to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, one one of the calls it was the guy I gave, I gave the ruling and the guy was like, "No, nah, I want him to mold a five, so appeal." <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, my notes for that one are that it was a mold of six. The player counted out three cards, then two cards, mm-hmm. and then went to take cards off the deck, but took two cards off the top of the deck and looked at them. And so at this point, we have seven cards a- away from the deck. He's The player had seen two. And we've got five we face f- down. <laughs> five face down, and the opponent's like, uh, what do, Judge? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was there for this, and I knew the guy was going to appeal. But I was just like, okay. So I hung out there while while you were getting, right. while you two were communicating, and I'm just like, all right. And and so just for, so everyone knows, the we... We asked the players, like, if there's any reason why we don't think these cards are all random? And the, the opponent's just like, no, they're all random. Okay, well, we're going to take a, a random card that he hasn't seen and put that back to, in the library. <laughs> like, And now we have the six cards that he's supposed to have. And, and the other, the, the opponent was like, well, no, he, those, those have been in his hand. No, he was just, he was just, you know, 
trying to plead a case that you know the the first six cards off the deck were did not include the seventh card and while that's true <laughs> he didn't see it that all those cards are still random so I, I asked if you have any reason to believe that the cards were marked in any way if there's something that we should know about and those questions seem to not make the player incredibly <laughs> happy about his his attempt to get the mulligan to five. Yeah. So so starting to move into uh, Sunday. So one of one of the things that that we had on on Sunday, since there were four total events, um, we we were curious as to what the open was going to look like and like how many teams and where the split was because Star City does. Uh, was it seven, seven, and is it seven and two, or anyone tied for twenty fourth place for the team uh, events? It's, it's yes. The answer is yes to both <laughs> of those things. Okay, so we didn't really know before we knew how many players we were going to get, we or teams we were going to get. We didn't know how many teams would advance to day two, and there was a number where it, it could have been it could have been sixty teams or it could have been thirty teams, and that's going to impact because they have legacy decks, modern decks, and standard decks, and we've got a legacy modern and, and uh, uh, standard classic. You know, how many of those players are going to not make day two or going to come into the into into the classics? So we were watching really carefully as to as to where the break was going to be, so that we could figure out what and how we were going to manage Sunday, like which events were going to be bigger and if we needed to move people around. We ended up having to make a lot of decisions sort of day of based on what numbers were looking like at the end of the day. There was a point on Saturday where I was talking to Jared Silva about it, and we were quite close to having the large, the quote unquote large version of day two for the main, for the open, because the original, the midweek count that I was able to get from Star City was going to push us to where we were going to have a large Sunday because the projected cut would have been at six and three, and then that would have just shifted where players would have been versus where they ended up being since we did finish. I believe it was with a uh, six, two, and one cut. I think that's right. Right, so that that, that six, two, one cut changed it from being, uh, what was it, what would it have been, like 50-something teams? Yeah, it would have been in the 50s. High 50s would have been the cut, and then... We ended up only having 28 teams. Okay. It's almost, so, it's almost half. Yeah. And so with that, we also ended up with the game of which classic will the players sign up for? <laughs> and, and there was, there was some inclination to, to think that they would be relatively even because most of the people there like if 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 they if there was teams and there's one standard player, one modern player, one legacy player, if they each went and played in the classic related to the event to the deck they were playing in in the open, that would translate to something roughly even. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely. And of course, you have some shift there because you have people that that have more than one deck or would prefer to play something else. Um, but you definitely have people there, probably more people there who have a legacy deck than you have at most opens. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really quick, do we want to do we want to give a quick uh, thank you to everyone who helped pick our what uh, what events we were head judging? Yes, yes, yeah. we do. Uh, we, in case you don't know what we're talking about, to decide which of the three classics we were head judging, uh, we had a survey that people could fill out, and 
help us uh, determine that. Um, and the way that ended up, uh, I got to head judge the modern event. B Pro got to head judge the legacy event, and Brogan got to head judge the standard event. Um, so thank you very much, people, for participating in that. Uh, all of our listeners who took the time, we appreciate it. Um, I especially appreciate it since I got done like an hour before everybody else, at least. Yeah. Cheer, uh, cheers, to, cheers to everyone, even the people who voted for like one person to head judge all three. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> weird, but thank you for participating. It's the thought that counts. <laughs> thank you for participating. Um, so, uh, yeah, so one other, one other thing, since the, the, since the staff for this event, uh, I think, I think all of the teams that we had, we, when trying to figure out and plan out our day, we were all kind of like, boy, I really could use an extra judge. Um, and so one of the things that we decided to do that was kind of neat that, that I had not experienced before was, uh, a shared deck checks team. Um, and this this was kind of this was kind of cool. This was something uh, uh, that Nicolette led. And so we we each each of the classics we we contributed uh, judges to the shared deck check team. And Nicolette was able to uh, create a plan and a strategy for just having continuous uh, rotating deck checks across the three classics. And they were well, they were she, basically self sufficient. It was awesome. She had the largest. She also, team. go ahead. She also she also did deck checks on the open as well. Right. She was doing deck checks yeah. on all four different events. <laughs> yeah. So she had the largest team of the day, and uh, she handled a group of people that was for the first several hours of the day exclusively responsible for uh, not just deck checks, but for organizing and sorting all of the lists of the different events. And, uh, so basically she had like a, uh, an auxiliary human power team, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the day. And then, and then it was deck checks and then it kind of converted back to being extra, uh, help in the, in, during our break rounds so that we had enough people to get, to get through the day in addition to the deck checks. And then, uh, at the end of the day, when we needed to make sure that we had all of the deck checks done for the various for for the four top eights um of the uh, uh well i guess three top eights of the classics billy Willie had 24 people in his top eight um <laughs> yes, yes they uh the the she and her team uh handled all of that now i will say i've seen shared deck checks teams at classics before uh however that was always or almost always when it was two classics and it was never including the open right so it was, was a completely a new thing yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I this it was definitely a different a different uh, setup than I've been a part of before. I know uh, we had conversation about it on Saturday evening and really locked in how we were going to approach this uh, because I I think if I'm not mistaken, she ended up with a total of five people, including herself. I, I think, think it was five plus herself. Uh, I, I think believe she had, it I think was, she was two two from Jess, one from me, one from Brogan, and herself. So five, yeah. I think it was five. Five and, total. Okay. And the thing that was really interesting, well, I guess one of the things I think that allows this to work with the, the the three the three classics is that they start they do start a half hour apart. So she was able to do the beginning. Her team was able to do the beginning of one, the beginning of the next, beginning of the final one. Um, uh-huh. She had she had a schedule laid out for every fifteen minutes for the first two hours of the day. Yeah, that yeah. was when did she find time to put that together? Uh, I don't know actually, but I think she was uh, doing it. 
Saturday night while we were eating dinner. Uh, no, she, uh, that part of it, yes, but she, she organized the plan and formalized it more uh, later on and came in with a, a very clear flow of how things were going to go. Um, and and we may be talking about this a lot and being like, oh, it's this you at listening, you may not understand the level of impact that had on, e- had on each of our events. Uh, shouldering that part of the event for each of us made the rest of our day much easier and gave us the ability to focus on just the events. And it also gave us the ability to communicate a lot more between the head judges on what was going on because there were these other things we didn't have to worry about. Um, and that was, at least for my event, even though I had you know, given team members up to do this, uh, it was a huge lift of, of work off my shoulders of, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I know this is happening. And all I had to do was check in and be like, hey, uh, where are we at on, on deck checks? And I would get an answer and I would know. And uh, I got handed a little piece of paper that, that had a boom tube under it to answer the question. Wow. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it was great. It was a, it was a thing I would love to repeat. It was a hard job that she had. It is not something I would give to anybody that was uh, other than the most experienced judges uh, at open events, uh, as far as a lead role goes. But um, but she did wonderfully at it, and it was it was excellent. To, to give yeah. to give a, go ahead. Oh, I was to say, and, and it's a shout out to her team as well. I mean, let's the yeah. they had to be incredibly flexible, and that's one of the things that I think sometimes gets overlooked is flexibility. And this this task of getting all of the different reward stuff out to the different events, collecting the deck list, getting them organized, doing deck checks, handling like the from for the open itself. I would randomly need her to, you know, double check a deck list or provide me a missing piece because of coverage needs. And all of it got handled. It was just, as soon as I had a problem, I could just take it over to her and one of her, either her or her team members, someone would own it and solve the problem. Yeah. To, to, to give some perspective on, on like how, well, well, it, when, when I when we say that her team had had five people, I, for my event, had me plus three other people. And you saying, wow, there's, there's five people on this and, but your whole event only had four people. That's still, like, it's, it's, it's so meaningful that that one person that got, got pulled off of my team to, to be on this deck checks team, that's one more person who I didn't have to manage. That's one more person who I didn't have to make sure I knew what was going on because they're, they're self-sufficient. They're they're independent. It was awesome. Well, specifically for your event, if it was if it would have been you plus four, you'd have lost two people every time every, a deck every, check needed to deck, happen. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And same for my, my team because of the open and the size. You know, we're operating on as few because of coverage. It, it sounds like I have a lot of people, but I really didn't. I had myself plus four judges, but two of them needed to be doing coverage each round. And so if I would have had, let's say, Nicolette back on my team, I'd have had lost her plus somebody else to go do deck checks. And, and then there's nobody on the floor. It would have been me and the one floor judge on the floor. And let's not forget, I like to eat, so I want to take a break. <laughs> yeah, that that was when we when we were discussing uh, breaks. So we we pretty much decided that we were we were each going to, or we laid out the the way the the event was set up, we tried to have the events next to each other so that a judge could in the one of the center aisles could handle either event. 
uh, either the modern or the the standard classic or maybe the, the, the legacy event. And then when it came time to decide on breaks, you know, we had a discussion so that we weren't always all sending like two people on break. So it'd be like one, you know, like, like Jess might send two people one round and I might send two people the next. Uh, but you know, so we weren't, we weren't doubling up on that. And then, you know, making sure that, uh, the head judge breaks were spread out across the day also. It's very, very quick, very, very easy with the exception of, I think, I think generally speaking, all of us were kind of like, Whoa! I'll take last break. I'll take last break. You know, we were we, we were those kind of yeah. We personalities. were all volunteering ourselves to suffer a little bit more, which is yeah. bad because that meant that there would be no actual head judges on the event in, during that last break period. <laughs> right, right. So, so, to, so someone had to be selfish and take the the good breaks. <laughs> so. Shucks! <laughs> oh darn! Um, and we 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 realized when we were going through the the how we wanted to do breaks. It was like, okay, we can't really do breaks and also have deck checks happening in the same volume. So we kind of had to adjust that on the fly as well. Um, but again, the, just the flexibility from, from everyone was, was incredible. So we were running, we were running these events. How many, how many players did you guys have? Uh, the events? moderate event had 182. I had exactly 150 players. Okay, I had a 142. So they they, they did end up being all roughly the same size, just as yeah. slightly bigger. It's because people love modern more. People love modern cards. Yes. So the events had finished. Uh, I believe Jess's event finished first. Uh, yes, uh, mine finished. Uh, mine finished maybe an hour ish before Brogan's, and probably another half hour to an hour before yours. Yeah. So yeah. So Jess's event started at nine. Brogan started at nine thirty, and mine started at ten. Yeah, uh, which being, was also being modern. Uh, it also went a lot faster than the other formats. It was. It was actually kind of interesting because at ten o'clock, uh, specifically, we had uh, Billy Willie's event starting, my event starting, and uh, Jess turning his round. So there was. I believe there was one point where we were all on stage where, like, Billy Willie had the mic, made an announcement, then passed it over to me, I made an announcement, then passed it to Jess, and he made an announcement, and passed it back to Billy Willie so that he could make an announcement. And we were just playing uh, <laughs> past the mic. Well, playing yeah, telephone? I, basically, the way, you know, with how that happened, I ended up kind of short uh, shortchanging the announcements that I normally would make for the start of a day two. But I, I looked at the, the stage and was like, well, I've got... You know, Patrick Warburger making announcements on behalf of Star City. I've got Jess wanting to flip his round. I've got Bpro needing to give his opening announcements. Uh, I guess I'm just going to be quick. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I uh, for 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 there's a general. Okay, I'm going to confess right now. I was I wasn't sure if I was going to say it, but I'm going to say it. I hate microphones. I don't like microphones. I don't like talking on them. Um, but. I uh, like once once you get the momentum going, it's so 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 much easier. So if you have a if you have a fear of microphones, just like just do it. I know that's a dominant like solution. Just 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 do it. Yeah, that that is a skill that you don't have a whole lot of opportunities to practice. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it, well, it's one of those for things. In, that's, go ahead. The only way to practice it is really to do it. Like you can't. There's not a good way to practice being in front of people without being in front of people on a microphone. 
Well, I don't mind if I'm shouting across the room at people. That doesn't bother me. It's specifically a microphone. Okay. I, I, was I don't say, know why. I was just saying that you could, uh, being somewhat familiar with you, uh, there were a couple times where I was around the stage while I was either just waiting on something for my event or getting water or whatnot. Or eating and chicken it, nuggets. Or I do not have any chicken nuggets. Um, but I, I saw you make a couple announcements, and you could tell by your body language that you weren't exactly comfortable but I don't think anyone who was listening to your announcements could tell because you were very clear uh, and gave the information that people needed without any uh, stuttering or stammering. It was they were very they were good announcements. So thank you. I compensate for the fear by talking uh, like about twice as twi- like two times slower than I think I need to because that evens out to about the correct speed. Um, so, uh, slow announcements on a mic, I think, is is vastly underrated. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times people speak very quickly. I speak very quickly, as listeners of our podcasts will know. I, I tend to talk fast, but um, when you're speaking on a microphone that's over a PA and you do that, nobody can understand anything you say. So if you have any, to. Any echo you really you have to slow down and make sure you enunciate all of your words. Um, otherwise, no, nobody can hear anything. Yeah, it's. I'm known to be a fast talker, <laughs> and whenever I have a team that I haven't worked and other people I haven't worked with, I always take a moment to say if I'm speaking too quickly, if I'm getting ahead of myself, if you're not processing what I'm saying at the pace I'm speaking, just tell me to slow down. I'm not going to be offended, and I'm definitely a cognizant of that when I'm on a microphone because mm-hmm. I, I kind of like try to make sure that I slow down and have a rhythm. <laughs> So that everyone can hear me. <laughs> yeah, just there's the there's so, the thing from Beauty and the Beast, the, the slow down, Maurice. You just got to picture that. Um, so aside from the microphone, um, what other did you guys have any new experiences or anything weird happen uh, during your events or any weird calls that you were like, huh, this is something I haven't seen come up before on Sunday? Um, I had. A player who was very concerned about some things his opponent was doing. And I sat down with him and talked to him about why I didn't think his opponent was cheating. And the, and it's weird because you have to both simultaneously not dismiss this person's concerns and not give anything away about the opponent. But also be like, bro, you need to stop shouting that your opponent's a cheater. <laughs> yeah, those those are those are fun ones where where you're you're trying to at the same time being yes, I understand your concern. Um, it, it is it, you know I understand your concern, but you aren't uh, uh, helping your case and need to stop. Right. Um, I think I think Jess, you had the one player concerned about how people were shuffling? Uh, yes, I had a player that was very concerned about the way his opponent was shuffling um, and concerned that he was uh, doing so in a way that, that would have given him an advantage. Um, and we, we, after investigating and watching the player, determined that uh, we didn't think the player was doing anything uh, that, was, that, that was actually problematic, but his, bo- his body language while he was shuffling and the motions he was making could definitely lead a person to be suspicious, and I don't think he even realized it. 
but the the player was very concerned, and uh, it's important that we that we address those concerns. As a judge, you don't want to just be like, uh, "It's fine." Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it, or or whatever. Um, you you actually have to take all those concerns seriously because you don't know where when you first hear a story whether or not this person is just salty because they lost, uh, or or is catching somebody cheating, or just somewhere in the middle. You know, neither of those things, but but is still very concerned. You know. Yeah, I um, go ahead. I, I was in that call for a little bit, and I know when I first watched the player. The first time that I saw them, I thought, "Oh, this is this is going to be bad." And then talking to you more, and throughout the the next little bit where we were doing the little bit of investigation, kind of just came down to this is just a weird twitch, and everything's fine. Right. Exactly. Um, it was it was sp- suspicious looking on its face, uh, but when you really observed what was happening, it, it d- didn't appear to be. Uh, and I don't want to get too much into the specifics of that situation, but. Um, but it's important in any investigation, as I've said many times on the show, to not just look for the way somebody might be cheating, but uh, to look for, uh, you know, well, what makes this not cheating? What what does it look like if this player is doing that and it's not cheating? And and find out what makes that narrative true as well. Um, uh, something that I thought was particularly meaningful to me in the past Star City events that I have had judged. It's generally with people who I have worked with before, um, because at least around here, you kind of see the same people at, at events just due to the nature of the events. Um, so going to to Atlanta, there are more, more Southeast judges who I haven't really had the chance to work with, and I thought that was nice. Um, you know, and, and also we had, we had a lot of players... I'm sorry, a lot of uh, judges that were also players in the event. And so we had this weird situation where where I also didn't necessarily know a lot of the judges that we had because um, because a lot of the faces that I would normally see at events were playing. Uh, yep. And so a lot of the judges that we had uh, kind of were able to take that opportunity and, and be new judges on staff of the event. And that was actually a lot of fun for me. I, I got to, to work with new people and uh, they got to learn from me, and I got to learn from them, and it was it was a grand old time in that regard. Uh, but it also was uh, it presents a challenge when you don't know a person's capabilities on your team. You, you, it's easy yep. to fall into it's easy to fall into a, a I don't want to say a rut, but kind of a pattern when you're used to working with the same people. You know what they're good at. You know what they're bad at. You know what you can rely on them to do. And when you have a group of people that you've never worked with before, you can't rely on all those same things. Yes, it's hard to know what your what resources you have available to you if you don't if you don't know. Um, so I, before my event, uh, before the event, made a Facebook chat with the people that had been assigned to my event and just started talking to sort of not even if it wasn't necessarily I know everything about what you're good at. It was just a sort of feel out people, feel out their attitudes, feel out what they want to get out of this event and what they like. And I thought that was that was meaningful. There was there's there were several people 
that I'd interacted with online on Slack, but had not worked an event with them. So I had some preconceived notions as to how it was going to go, and it was interesting to have those expectations, uh, some expectations challenged and some expectations uh, uh, verified. So it was definitely a a learning experience on on my part, too, as, as getting to interact with some judges in the region that I haven't worked with professionally yet. And um, licking that electrical outlet dog. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Sorry, should have so, been on mute for that. That's okay. <laughs> we're we're getting a peek behind the curtain. Yes, the dog is licking the electrical outlet. Stop it, dog. Yeah, I think um, the the staff did a very good job. There's a lot of challenges. And I think it can also be intimidating as a judge when you come up to a table and are giving a ruling in a match with someone you may look up to or consider a peer when they're playing in the event. It can really kind of set you up, put you a little bit on on edge on whether or not you're doing it correctly because you know that they're they're experienced at being at giving rulings and maybe someone you've asked help for uh, help from before, but you just give the ruling and go on. And and you know, I, even people who are experienced with the things, uh, you know, we get new stuff all the time. We see things we've not seen before. Um, I had one ruling on Sunday that um, was kind of a weird situation where a player had both committed a mulligan procedure error and a deck problem simultaneously because they had drawn too many cards in, in their opening hand and also one of them was a sideboard card and I had to st- step back and think about it and I asked Billy Willie, hey am I missing something here uh, to know what fix to apply because you can't apply both fixes, they're mutually exclusive um, <laughs> and uh, so what we ended up doing was to um, just fix the deck and have the mulligan down to the next number but uh, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something on that fix because it was a thing I hadn't actually seen happen before. That's okay. I think I got even with my top eight call that I asked you to help me with. What happened? I it was it was a fun one for sure. <laughs> uh, so a player. So my, remember the setting that this is a team event. The legacy players are on the ends, modern in the middle, centered centered on the other end. The legacy player announces and uh, cast brainstorm. The opponent says, sure, and immediately looks to the modern player to start giving them some help while the opponent resolves this brainstorm. Mm-hmm. The person who casts brainstorm has three, looks at three cards, looks to their modern player, and goes, shuffle? Uh-huh. That, their, their player, that, that modern player goes, yeah, those are bad. The player, the legacy player who casts cast brainstorm starts to shuffle those cards into his deck. The opponent, as though he, as though he were resolving he Ponder were resolving instead of brainstorm. The other legacy player, the opponent, the legacy player, goes, "Wait, whoa, whoa that was a brainstorm." Oh man! And, and now we have a problem. <laughs> Yay! So that was the first time that I'd ever experienced the person trying to turn their brainstorm into a ponder. Do the old ponder storm. <laughs> this. Before before you explain what we actually did there, I want to point out in both of these situations to our listeners that uh, Billy Willie and I are both level three judges who have been on a lot of events. And what you see here is when we ran into something where we went, this is a little bit odd. I think I know the right answer, but this is a little bit odd. We went and got help. Um, yes, we went. And, yes, we went sure. and grabbed somebody and said, "Hey, I want to. I want a second opinion here to make sure I'm not wrong." Um, and that's okay to do. And I wish judges would do that more often. I would much rather you double check, take an extra moment, and double check your ruling uh, 
then uh, then not do that and end up with something weird happening. Uh, speaking of something weird happening, go ahead and finish your story. Sorry for interrupting <laughs> yeah. you. No, no, it's completely fine. And and I, I think Jess is 100% correct. In you know, I have a way that I want to. Re- I think I want to resolve this, but I want to just bounce it off somebody else. Maybe I'm missing an option that I haven't evaluated that could be better. And if Jess wouldn't have been available or someone else who I could have bounced it off of wouldn't have been there, I would have just made a decision. But since I had that opportunity, uh, I think utilizing those resources is very important. And so uh, in this situation, the, the problem that we have is that three cards that were supposed to be, well, three cards that are supposed to be as the top two cards of a deck and in the hand are now in the library. And so after discussion, we uh, allowed the opponent of the player who cast Brainstorm to select three cards out of the library that would be the three cards that were drawn with the Brainstorm. And then would allow the player who had cast the Brainstorm and started to resolve it incorrectly to re-decide which cards they would put back. A couple of things that I think are important in this fact, into considering this decision is uh, the player who committed the infraction uh, has lost cards that they should have. The They went from a hidden zone to a hidden zone, so it meets this H, uh, this hidden card error problem that we have. And in this situation, this occurred during top eight where players had access to deck lists. And so the information that the player was getting by looking through the deck was insignificant. Uh, and so the, the, obviously the thing that the players can deduce, uh, this was game one, they can deduce what was in the hand. Uh, and so there was a lot of back and forth between myself, the player who committed the uh, infraction, and the, both the opponent and teammates, because again, this is a team event. So when I start describing how we're going to fix this situation, I have six players who, who want to fully understand what's going on. Uh, and one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is listening to players when you're giving a ruling, especially when you think that it's a unique situation. And in this situation, I had players tell me that uh, they thought the, the, the situation was very unique. They thought they wouldn't have thought of this solution, but they couldn't think of another solution that was better. That's, and I like a couple, that. Yeah, and one of the things that they did is they, they came up with one solution was like was just shuffle and make him redo the brainstorm. And the player who had committed the infraction said, well, that's better for me because I brainstormed and I wanted to shuffle those cards away because they were bad for me. Exactly. <laughs> like, I wanted yeah. to shuffle. Yeah, And, and so and, if and, I would have gotten to do that, it would have been bad. And to be clear, anytime you're you're thinking I should show the opponent this person's library, it's usually wrong. Uh, one of the, <laughs> the factors that Billy, I don't know if you mentioned this, but it, because it was the top eight, the players already had access to the lists of their yeah. opponents. Yeah, yeah did, did you mention that already? Would it have changed? Would it have changed if you not had deck lists? I don't know. The decision would have probably taken me a little bit longer at that point. Because um, you're giving them also a bunch of information as well at that point. Yeah, and so well, and, and so I've had discussions about information before because with the way decklists are now for constructed events, people for the most part have a pretty good idea what a deck what a deck is um, once they know what the the players are playing. And so they were, I, I think they were four turns in, and that was the other thing I did do is verify that the player had um, the, had the right number of cards when we were we finished resolving this fix. I also was very clear with the players who were going to be performing the fix that they needed to do it in a reasonable amount of time. And they, you know, before they started looking through the deck, 
you know, I gave them a moment to, okay, you can come up with a game plan, that's fine, but once you start looking through the deck, you're going to need to just do this in a timely fashion. Because the thing we don't want is the players sitting here counting every card in the deck and, yep. oh, look at this, <laughs> maybe, is this a good card? Should I take this, maybe? Yeah. So, they, they you know, came up with a plan for how they wanted to attack it, uh, and the play, the legacy player executed it, and afterwards I asked the opponent how they felt about it, and they said, you know, he resulted in a respectful amount of time, was the phrasing he used. A respectful amount respectful. of time. I can get behind that. I can respect that. that amount of time. That's... <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I think, uh, for me, the event was was a blast. I, I really did enjoy uh, the execution of the event. I, I know sometimes the planning part is not my favorite. Um, hopefully, you all also enjoyed your weekends. Oh, yeah. Oh, Legacy I, I did. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I Saturday was, was a bit rough for me. I don't know if I got enough sleep and I was tired, but Sunday I, I absolutely had a blast, um, especially in the later half of the day. And uh, I, I really enjoyed working with all of you guys at the event. Yeah, I had I had a great time. Um, I thought it, every one of my decks in top eight uh, of my event was a different deck, um, and it it was it was neat to see how standard was sort of unfolding um, at the time, and got to see it more this past weekend for the Pro Tour. Everyone loves red decks. Uh, red, go ahead. Oh, I was in the, in the legacy. I lo- legacy players are so chill. That's true. They 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 love it, and I got to I got until to until they're the not. <laughs> What's that? I said until they're not. Yeah, then they're the but, worst. Oh, they were great. There were so many. There were so many people with just like neat altars getting approved in the morning. You know, I'm looking uh-huh. at them like, oh, this is sweet. And in the finals, I got to see uh, triple invigorate kill a death shadow. It's so good. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just like invigorate, invigorate, invigorate. <laughs> Rip. Like, oh. Um. Well, I so, got, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, brother. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, I, I got more thank yous for judging and thank you for whatever that, from players uh, than any other event I've ever worked. Um, awesome. And I don't know what it was, um, but it felt really good. Like, that, that doesn't happen a whole lot where players are like, you know, thank you for judging. Thank you for, like, doing X, Y, or Z. It, it, it felt great, so. Yeah, I would say if you're playing in an event and, you know, you see that the judge or someone's doing, someone's going above and beyond and, and, and you do appreciate it, you know, that, that simple gesture of telling, telling us or telling them, telling uh, the organizer, somebody that you appreciate what's going on, it does go a long way. And it is always nice to be reminded that people are appreciative of what's going on. Any other, uh, sweet things anyone wants to talk about? No, I, uh, I think for me, I mean, I kind of got to go back and forth between, Whichever format I felt like watching at the time, so that was really nice. Yeah, uh, that's great. So uh, the the eventual winners involved in, included a uh, a lands deck with uh, a player who knew how to play the deck, so that was kind of refreshing. <laughs> yes, increasingly less common. <laughs> so I had I had one one call that was uh, that 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 stuck out. It was a player. Um, so he asks, uh, calls me over, and he's like, Judge, uh, so he had an Elish Norn with a anime dead on it, and his opponent had a Batterskull token. And he asks, uh, what's the power and toughness of the, of the germ token? So that's derived information. We, I can't answer that, that specific question, but I can say, like, okay, well, do you have any questions about how the effects interact? 
So he asks a few a uh, few clarifying questions, uh, still trying to basically ask me what the power and toughness of the batter skull is, and I'm able to answer. You know, I'm answering. Okay, well, there's a there's the, this effect, and then this the plus two plus two effect, and the plus uh, or sorry, the minus two minus two, and the plus four plus four. They they get applied, and the end result is what the batter skull is. So he's listening, and he's like, so it's a four four. He just kind of says this out. So it's 4-4, in which case he kind of slumps a little bit, and then I sit down, because (laughs) one one of the things that we we like telling players is if uh, if you ask the judge a question, the judge answers the question, and then the judge doesn't leave, ask another question, because you've you've probably missed something. So, So I sit down, and then he looks at me, and he looks back at the board, and then he looks at me, and I'm just, you know... Sitting there, basically poker face, um, and uh, afterwards, you know, the game goes on. It never, it never becomes relevant that the the you know things happen, and it never becomes relevant that the batter skull was a was a two two. And then after the game was over, he was like, "Yeah, I kind of figured that I was wrong about it being a four four when you didn't leave." And I was like, "Good, good boy, <laughs> good." So yeah, definitely. If the, if you ask the if you ask the judge a question and they they answer it and they don't leave, ask him. You know, ask another question because basically what that that judge is standing there for is you've come to the wrong conclusion about something, and the judge is basically just waiting to correct the mistake when it happens. So, um, so Vitro, how, I think I asked you this in a private conversation before, but how did you uh, how did this not end up being a CPV? Oh. Because he was he was making a comment about his the opponent's other creature, and he wasn't telling he wasn't answering a question for the opponent. Um, he was just it was more like he was speaking to the card. He's like so you're four four. Um, he's speaking to the card, right? <laughs> I, so I, he's, I can't like I wasn't there, but I I feel like I possibly would disagree with you about your interpretation of of this as it applies to CPV. It's, it sounds to me like it might be one, but I wasn't there, so maybe it's different than I'm imagining. If someone wants to... I, I don't want to necessarily explain it right now, but if someone wants... If you hear this and you want to ask me about it, I have a fun uh, call that involves resolving a brainstorm incorrectly uh, and that is different than the the, the, the ponder storm, uh, but I thought it was interesting. We'll have to bring that up another time then. Yeah, because <laughs> it's about it's about it's about time when we uh, wrap this one up. Yep. Uh, so, uh, did anybody else have uh, something that they wanted to add about the events that, this weekend, other than that we had such a great time? Uh, mostly just again the flexibility thing. Like that was the I think the key thing for the weekend, and I appreciate everyone's willingness and ability to be flex- flexible. Yeah, I want. I would I like to thank. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say I want to thank the Star City guys uh, or the Star City folks rather for uh, for bringing us out and and letting us all work together. It's it's kind of been a running joke that you know from the host of JudgeCast we've never been at the same event at the same time, and this was our first opportunity to uh, work together, and that's across you know even going back like six six years uh are the first opportunity that we've had to all work together so that was uh really really nice and and I appreciate mm-hmm. them uh, working with us to to help make that happen oh cj showed up for a little bit he was there yeah even cj schrader showed up yeah 
that's that's where the boom tube came. He brought a I, I could, CJ has given up on judging to begin woodworking, and I contracted him to make uh, candle holders like the the stones of uh, from the fifth element. So he brought them, and uh, there was a uh, a boom tube in between them, and so boom tube went into play. And one of these days, we'll explain what that means. Jess, did you you had something else you wanted to add about the weekend? Uh, well, I wanted to thank uh, the Star City crew, uh, especially the organized play crew as well. Um, I'd also like to thank every single one of the uh, judge staff that came out to judge the event. Uh, I had a great time with you guys. I hope you guys learned from me. Uh, I learned stuff from you. Um, and I'd like to thank all of the players that came out. Uh, please come out. Keep playing Magic. That's that's how we have something to do that we enjoy. <laughs> and, that's why um, we do this. Yeah, I, I, I had a great time. Um, as I mentioned, uh, this weekend, um, there were unique challenges that we had to overcome. There were new things that happened, especially on Sunday with our, our combined deck checks team. And, um, overall it was, it was a good weekend. I hope to work with all three of you, uh, in, in similar roles in the future. Maybe we can run this back for another team event. Uh, but I also would like to go play in a team event in the near future. So I may do some of that as well. Um, if nobody else has anything to add, I'm just going to say that uh, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook if you'd like to connect with us. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. You can uh, email us at judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to the JudgeCast podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If they have a rating system, please make sure you rate us high. Uh, if they don't, go to iTunes and rate us there. Um, they, they, we would we would really appreciate that. That would be cool of you. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I will just say that uh, my name is Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. And I am Brogan King, and I keep it fun. And I'm Brian Prilliman, and I keep my red uh, head judge shirt from Star City Games in my closet now. Ha ha! Oh. Because I took it home. And I'm Billy Willie. Uh, I... Keep it team focused. Acceptable. Alright, sorry. <laughs> uh, there was a moment there where I started to talk and then it got silent and then somebody else, I think it was Billy, really picked up. Uh, I had spilled my entire beverage all over myself. I am soaking wet right now. Oh my god. Um, oh no. Uh, Aww.